The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. I am Danielle, here with Shano, sitting in for Leslie today. Uh, an honor and a privilege to sit in and uh, and try and fill Leslie's shoes. We try our best. There's two of us, but... It takes a village, yes, as I say. Yes, it does. Uh, and I think uh, the, the primary portion of that village are her amazing producers. producers. Yes. Yes. Just in case anybody wanted. Yeah, and good job lying as usual, guys. Well, <laughs> way to go there. We have a big show in store for you guys today. Uh, lots and lots and lots of amazing guests. Uh, count them four. Wow. But we are going really? to try and get some phone calls in there and actually hear from Shano. Nah, somewhere. Nah, I'd rather hear from the guests somewhere and the, the phone mix. calls. So I'm, I'm third on that list. Third. Um, yes. Okay. So to start off, I, I just want to kind of recap uh, the show we did on Friday that we were talking about the Republican debates. Mm -hmm. And one of the comments that uh, we were discussing was how Donald Trump, the said front runner, treated Megyn Kelly. Right. And you defended Megyn Kelly. I defended Well, I, I don't think I, you defended you, yeah. you, you felt you expressed the fact that your ire went up. Yes. At the way she was being treated. Right. That, you know, no one should be treated that way regardless of their political persuasion or what network they work for. Right. I am not... The world's greatest feminist. I'll admit it. Mm -hmm. I'll admit it. It's not my strong suit. I laugh at inappropriate humor. I, I you know, I, I, I'm not uh, nitpicky about words. But there was some female camaraderie there that I saw Megyn Kelly getting treated rather rudely and inappropriately. And I'm sorry, her questions were not any more personal or any harder than the other two men on stage. Oh, that, that's true. That's true. Uh, I, thought about you, I thought you were about to say that the questions to Trump weren't any harder than the questions no, to everyone else. No, there was definitely an orchestrated effort to go after Trump, but right. but the other two moderators of that debate, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Chris asked, Wallace went after him on the bank. Right, right, exactly, and said, will you declare right now? That was they, Brett Baer. Brett right. Baer went off. From, so all three of them were, were part of this. This, right. was, this was tandem. Yet what occurred afterwards, even during uh, that debate, was Trump getting ruffled by Megyn Kelly. He was mm -hmm. upset that a girl had the audacity to question him. And a lot of supporters of Donald Trump went after her on Twitter. They, they created a hashtag, ban the bimbo. And so I defended her. I felt that was wrong. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, my progressive friends on Twitter went after me. And, but other people did not. I'm, I'm getting That's, there. Okay. I'm getting there. All right. I was essentially told that I should never back Megyn Kelly because she's a Republican. Hmm. And interestingly enough, after that same show, I had some of our conservative listeners say, I don't agree with you on anything. <laughs> I love when comments start that way. <laughs> I despise every word uh, yes. from your mouth, but. But I like the show. And that's cool. That's awesome. That's, you know, what our whole political process is about. Uh, we have different opinions. Let's have fun talking about a man. It's right. a, it's a, you know, going also, into a also, presidential election. Also, year. whether I'm listening to a show, producing a show, hosting a show, I, we always get callers saying we have to convince everyone of X. We have to convince everyone that in the Republican Party that they're voting against their best interests. We have to convince them. 
And then if if your next words out of your mouth when you're having that conversation with whomever you're trying to convince of X is your X, Y, or Z, I'm not going to talk to you because you're a Republican. Right. You can never have the conversation. You can, you can never start the conversation. You're never going to be able to convince them of anything, much less your opinion. So it's really important that we create a space where there's some camaraderie. We have far more in common, I believe, right. than, than, than the, the, the fighting matches that occur on television. Yes, they're very entertaining. Right. You know, I, I, they get good ratings. That's why cable news networks want to cover them. And that's why Roger Ailes gave in to Donald Trump. Right. And right. is still going after Megyn Kelly right. for daring to ask a question to which she responded, by the way, I love this. If you can't get through me, how are you going to deal with Vladimir Putin? <laughs> uh, regardless of what I think about Trump, Megyn or the issue, mm-hmm. I agree with her. If you can't handle a tough question in a debate, however personal, right. however Unfair blatantly even. obvious to try and just go after Trump, if you can't handle that, how are you going to handle the heated discussions in some stateroom overseas when it comes down to preventing a war or negotiating terms of of some trade agreement. Right. You know, when when the rubber hits the road, are you going to get mad and take it personally? Right. Not to mention. To circle back to our effort to unify okay. some listeners today, because there has been a lot of division. Right. We're going to be talking about things that are more unifying today. Right. There there has been a lot of uh, people at each other's throats, figuratively speaking, uh, lately. And, and all those issues are still on the table. We do have a lot of guests, but if you want to call in about them, we will do our best to get to you, uh, to hear your thoughts on all of them. But one issue that the left has been fighting as a whole pretty much for the last half century, is sexism, misogyny. Right. The way women in this country are treated, and obviously, as Megyn Kelly can now tell you, right. are still being treated. You made a great point when talking about you know whether or not you should defend someone like Megyn Kelly. If you were walking down the street yeah. and a woman was being... Harassed. Harassed. Yeah. You know, we're not saying, you know, actually, you know, physically, but being harassed verbally in a, in a very negative way. But she had a... Uh, a Choose Life t-shirt on, would you not step in? Right. Or vice versa. If you're a conservative and right. you saw that happening and I had my Planned Parenthood t-shirt on, right. would you defend me? I would think... you just let me be harassed or uh, by some random stranger? Right. What is the right and small r thing to do here? What is the human thing to do? Right. Because at our core, we are not our politics. Right. I realize, especially you know what we do, what Leslie does, what Leslie's producers do, what and what a lot of her listeners are interested in are politics. I mm-hmm. get that, but at a fundamental, at our fundamental core, we're not just that. And I think if I were just that, I'd be very miserable all the time. Right. You know, we, we are far more in terms of our daily life, what we want out of life. Yes, politics are a way to get there. But they're not the singular being of what we are. Right. And I'm not pointing my finger and saying, oh, all you progressives are bad. We have emotions that get attached to these political viewpoints. Sure. I myself have made plenty of comments about somebody on TV, on the radio, online, making me so angry I wanted to throw something at the TV. Right. You know, I am not a stranger to that emotional attachment to an issue. Mm -hmm. But we're all adults. We can get past that. We can talk about issues, about difficult subject matter, without always reverting to wanting to go after each other, wanting to insult each other. And if we can't, going back to the 
comment I made a little while ago, then we'll never be able to convince anyone of anything. And isn't the point of politics, really, when we're having this debate, to change minds, to change, to change, to change opinions or to find people with similar opinions to band together to get something done? Don't we want more people in our electorate to come out and vote, to get involved? Whatever side you're on the issue, you want to invigorate the base and get people excited about the process so that, you know, our country can go in the direction you think it should go in. Right. But how do we do that if we're constantly harping at each other? Specifically, if you're of the more progressive persuasion <laughs> and, <laughs> and you are harping on other progressives right. who probably hold the same position as you do. Right. You know, or if they don't, maybe not to the same level, they certainly are on the same path. So, so, so you know, going after people who are who are on the same road towards the same goal, using the same policies, maybe not exactly with the same nuance. It makes no sense to battle among yourselves right? or and ourselves. I should include myself among us. And my goal today in, in when I was going through topics and subject matter, we're trying to find issues that we can agree on. I think you picked some good ones. I think I, I really tried to pick some good ones, um, starting, starting with uh, college rape. The left has been fighting sexism, has been fighting the way women have been treated for a half century. I think a lot of people on the right just woke up and went, Hey, this is still a problem. One of our beloved news anchors, nationally, you know, uh, uh, spread nationally. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Shano? Syndicated. Recognized, syndicated, um, uh, is being attacked solely based on gender. Mm-hmm. The, even the comments made about her based on gender. Oh yeah. So, who better to discuss it with than Dr. Tracy Kemble, international expert on abuse recovery? Behind a national campaign to get men involved to cure abuse, which is called Love Does Not Hurt. We're going to talk to Dr. Kimball next. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Stick around. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. 888-6-LESLIE. Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today. And you just heard about sexism, college rape, important topics that maybe we need a reminder are still very important. And, you know, we get too focused on some of this political stuff. One such story is a Virginian college that I kid you not is demanding the names of everybody a rape victim has slept with. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. That's why I wanted to speak with Dr. Tracy Kemble, international expert on abuse recovery. She has written two books on recovery as well as developed a 20-week recovery program that is now taught in three countries around the world. Her organization has also launched a national campaign to get men involved in the cure to abuse, which is called Love Does Not Hurt. Dr. Kimball, thank you so much for joining us today. This is such an important topic. It's such an important topic. Thanks for contacting me and uh, allowing me to put some two cents in on this. This story is jaw-droppingly awful. Uh, A young woman raped on her third day of orientation, most likely given a drink by a residential advisor, essentially a representative of the college. Uh, the, The rapist 
found guilty by college standards, not in a criminal court. And now they're asking for a list of everybody she's ever slept with. How is this anything but blatant victim blaming and slut shaming? Well, you know, I mean, it's deplorable. It, it, it's disgusting. It's deplorable. It's, it's depressing that we're still um, blaming the victim. And to be quite honest, I mean, you're you're violating her all over again. You're you're shaming her. What's the difference between us being in in a country where you know they they burn uh, or they kill a woman who is caught looking at a man a wrong way? It's that public shame. I think it's the same type of thing that we're doing. You know, under the great red, white, and blue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know just recently there was a young woman carrying a mattress around school. Her name escapes me, and I have too many pieces of paper in front of me at the moment. Uh, But carrying a mattress around school to bring attention to this issue, and it got a lot of coverage for a day or so here or there, and then it fell out of the news cycle once again because women's issues tend to not really get coverage they you know we can talk about oh they want to cut funding for planned parenthood but women are a lot more than abortions you know how do we get people to focus on these issues you know I, that is such a, a big challenge i was watching um the debates the other night and i i saw a, a bunch of men standing up talking about the issue of abortion and i'm like there's not any woman who can be up there expressing the the female standpoint on that um i you know it it it, it still is shocking to me, and I, I have to, you know, trying to look at things from all sides. Um, if, in fact, a, a, a person is wrongly accused of rape, because, you know, in my world of, of abuse recovery, there are times when people are wrongly of accused. Of course. Of things, there are you know fathers who lose custody of their children because of wrong molestation charges. Um, there are you know women who get vindictive and want to say he was abusive, and they, they can you know cause detriment to somebody's job. It happens where on occasion um, there there is a, a crazy person out there acting in crazy ways to try to um, get back at somebody. But the majority of people who are who are taking the stance on violations that are happening to them, uh, rape is what, one in seven um, across the country, um, documented cases, let's say. Um, it, it, it's, it's amazing to me how it's uh, immediately like, okay, they're crazy and we, just, we need to shut them down because they might be violating somebody's rights who's wrongly accused. What? Yeah. And now you're asking me to provide every sexual partner that I have and when you want to interview them? That's just, it's violating. Yes. In this case, it's specifically the the woman, it's a Jane Doe lawsuit, so she's not giving her name. Uh, obviously, the college and the, the lawyers involved know the details, but they're not releasing it to the media. Uh, she is claiming, um, uh, stating that she experienced trauma as a result of the rape that has hurt her uh, ability to have a meaningful romantic physical relationship uh, in the future and currently. So they're essentially saying they want her entire list of sexual history to prove that she's still having plenty of sex. I mean, isn't that what they're saying? Well, and whether or not she's having sex, it's none of their business. That what we're talking about is somebody who drugged another human being and sexually violated them. The story stops and starts right there. That's yep. it. 
all that needs to happen is is that one incident. There's no reason why, you know, the, the age-old thing is that if, if you look at my life long enough and put pen to paper, you can create a bad story about any one of us. Mm-hmm. And you can slant it any way you want. Um, it's, I think that it's completely wrong that they're drawing upon um, what may have been, what may have not have been. And just, you know, crawling into both the emotional and the physical crevices of her body, it's a violation. Well, and how does it, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this question, Everybody's reaction to trauma, whether it be rape or soldiers returning from war, is different. So just because she reacts a certain way or has a certain um, uh, pattern of action afterwards does not mean that she was not traumatized by that event. You being an expert on recovery, I mean, how often do people always follow the same track of actions after a traumatic event? Uh, you know what? It's kind of like grieving that everybody has their own personal journey that they go on. And when a violation takes place, a trauma takes place, a trauma is a loss. So when somebody goes through a trauma, it's basically something being taken from them um, without their permission when they're and, and a time that they weren't ready for it, that they weren't voluntarily giving anything over. So healing is about looking at the situation and saying, it's about having your power taken away. So healing is about looking at the situation and saying, how do I get my power back? Some people can get their power back by trying to move on without doing anything. Some people get their power back by needing to go to therapy groups and hearing other people talk about their trauma. Some people get their power back by getting involved in changing laws so that it doesn't happen again. Some people get their power back by saying you need to financially compensate me. We can't say how somebody, um, it would the steps that somebody needs to go to get their power back because it's all an individual thing. Yeah, and I know that just in my personal life, I, th- I think every woman uh, uh, out there probably knows a victim of this type of event. And I know in my personal life, friends, Family members who have experienced trauma sometimes have the opposite reaction that you would think that they want to be more sexually open uh, as if taking that part of themselves back. And I don't think that that should be wrong. You know, we live in 2015, not 1815. (laughs) Right, and there's also, you know, the pendulum swings, and, you know, it's it's like this one thing, um, having your body violated, and I think unless you've ever experienced it, um, you you can't, you know, they're... Explain. You you can't throw rocks until you've actually walked on that path. Dr. Kimball, I don't mean to cut you off. We have to run to a quick break, but we are going to be back with more of Dr. Tracy Kimball, international expert on abuse recovery and an organization Love Does Not Hurt. Leslie Marshall Show, stick around. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today, uh, talking about a very important issue that doesn't get enough attention in the media. Uh, and that is, of course, campus rape and how often. Well, I mean, the, in general, doesn't get enough uh, attention in the media. One out of four college women will report surviving a rape or attempted rape at some point in their life, lifetime. That's just college women, uh, women all over the country, all over the world experience this on a daily basis. And one of the 
experts helping them recover is Dr. Tracy Kemble, international expert on abuse recovery. Her organization has also launched a national campaign to get men involved in the cure to abuse, which is called Love Does Not Hurt. Uh, Dr. Kimball, are you still with us? I'm still here. Thank you so much. Uh, I really wanted to focus on that uh, second part and the work that you uh, and your organization are doing. We need to change this whole culture in order to, to fix this problem. It can't be a, you know, the solution is all on the men, the solution is all on the women, the solution is all on the colleges. It's, it's, it's too big. How do we change the culture? How do we get more men involved in this fight? Well, um, kind of two things that I want to touch upon is that uh, a few years ago there was an alleged um, gang rape at uh, Colorado University, and um, we were approached after that by the Miller Coors organization to come up with a program to go onto the campuses and educate the the women about um, alcohol-related rapes and how to prevent yourself. And it's a program that we launched called Raise Your Standards, which we go to campuses and we speak directly to the women. Because what was happening is that any type of um, an education about rape was, was going into the hands of the athletic department, saying, okay, teach the guys how to do this, and then we won't do it, and then the problem's going to go away. But the problem is that you have to educate people on all levels. We have to educate men as to what healthy love is. Um, that no is no. No is not um, a fun foreplay. Or, you know, um, it's not um, it's not the quest. No is no. Um, with women, we have to teach them how to sense how to stay a stronger no. And one of the and the, and the schools need to invest dollars into educating all the 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 participants in this through providing programs that they need to um, pay for and invest in. Because one of the things that you have to realize is that the young girls. And they are young girls who are entering college. They're not women. These are young girls who are not yet adults. They're they're leaving their their family of origin. They're getting um, uh, into a new um, kind of adult um, uh, environment, and with all these new parties and all these new peer pressures. And that's why the rape is happening so much because we're still dealing with innocent kids who are at that crossover stage in life. We need. To, I understand that 18 is, you know, you're a legal adult, but I believe that we need to continue um, raising our children and teaching them how to be healthy adults during this transitional time. And especially the first year of college is a very, very um, influential time for a young woman. And there's still, despite our best efforts, despite uh, so much media attention, there is still this double standard in, I have to say, often in the media, that blames the victim, that blames women. Her skirt was too short. She was wearing this. She shouldn't have had alcohol. She shouldn't have been flirting, blah, blah, blah. Even in this latest Republican debate, Megyn Kelly should have been nicer. You know, obviously it's a jump from rape, but why is the onerous on her? How do we change uh, that idea that, that there are two parties involved that women are not solely responsible for fixing this problem? No, we're not. Um, what we are solely responsible for is protecting ourselves and making sure that as a woman that you're aware of, of you know, the date rape drugs you're aware of the things that could happen, and we educate that. That's about um, what we do have to take personal power over. And as another woman, I think that we have to offer mentorship to, that we we have to get tools in um, these young women's hands 
so that they they know how to protect themselves because at the end of the day um, we are responsible for our own beings you know we I, I don't feel um, the pressure to buy into because somebody says oh you're you know because you show cleavage it doesn't mean that you're smart well really because one day they just kind of popped out and here I am <laughs> so you know shoot me for it and you know some countries may but in the United States we don't we don't roll that way and so it really takes a wherewithal within yourself to understand that I'm a I am a woman I'm proud of being a woman I don't want to be a man um, part of my power is my femininity but that doesn't mean I want it to be violated yeah Amen to that. Uh, and, you know, how do we get more comfortable talking about it? It, it, it? This is an issue that is near and dear to me. I've had plenty of discussions uh, on air, off air, friends, family, etc. And I find that even I struggle with some of these questions, with some of these topics. How do we make this, you know, a comfortable discussion to have with the people who need to hear it? I think it's like going to the gym. You know, the first time you go to the gym and you work out, it's hard and it hurts and it's uncomfortable and, you know, it, it's just awkward. And you just, the more you go and the more you, you discipline your mind to think in certain ways, the more you educate, the more uh, empowered that you become, the, the easier it becomes over time. Yeah. And just to point out the amazing work that you're doing, again, I want to remind everybody, we're speaking with Dr. Tracy Kemble, international expert on abuse recovery. Great organization launched a national campaign to get men involved to cure abuse. Uh, Love does not hurt. What can people listening do if this is an issue that's near and dear to them and they would like to get involved uh, and and do more? uh, How can they help you? How can they help your organization or what can they do in their hometown? Well, we're getting ready to start um, this season's campaign of Love Doesn't Hurt, and um, we we have a really exciting um, campaign coming up um, where, you know, the thing about the reason that we want men involved in the issue of abuse is that um, abuse is a learned behavior. It's not a demon or a disease that one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I've got abuse. It's it's something that we're taught, and we're taught to either give or take. And research shows that if men get involved and they start to mentor young men on how to properly love and treat a woman, that we can solve the problem. Um, the issue of abuse is solvable. It's not, uh, even though it's running at you know, epidemic levels, it is 100% curable with education. So um, it's one thing for me as a woman to tell a young man, you know, don't do that. It's one thing for me to say, don't do that to me, um, and be able to have the wherewithal to walk away. It's another thing to have a man take a young man and mentor him and to teach him right from wrong. That's called good parenting. And if good parenting doesn't fall in your, you know, in the downline, if you don't come from the pedigree parents, um, that's where you know men in, in our community need to step up and say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak out about this. I'm going to, if I used to be somebody who was reckless with my words and actions towards a woman, share your story, share how you became better, share how you you empowered. If you are a father. Sit down and take the time to to educate. And also be aware that the way you treat the people in your life, the women in your life, is the way that your son and your daughters are looking up going, oh, that's how I deserve to be treated. This is an education thing. This is not a demon or disease. I, I could not have said it better myself. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kimball. Uh, the expertise in the work you're doing is just so important. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. 
Dr. Tracy Kimball, international expert on abuse recovery. Her organization, again, which you could go over and check out, is launched a national campaign to get men involved in the cure to abuse. Uh, cure to abuse. It's called Love Does Not Hurt. Dr. Tracy Kimball. And we actually... Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. <clears throat> you and I have a little bit of age difference between us. Yes. And there is this has been in the press, I've noticed recently, the last three, four years. I went to college... Uh, here, I'm going to give my age away here. I started college in 1988. Man, you're old. Yes, okay. Now, all <laughs> age jokes aside, <clears throat> one of the first things I remember about this, is, I went to the University of Michigan. One of the first things I remember is walking around campuses and seeing red X's spray painted. Now, this is a while ago now. Right. And, and what they were, or a woman was assaulted here. And I actually, right when I got there, I actually got involved with Take Back the Night. This is not a new uh, phenomena. Take back night, of course, when you march for the safety of women on campuses. I mean, it's a huge event. Um, and yeah, I would be involved in that all the time. Uh, I thought it was really, uh, really liked what you said right there at the end about mentors, because, you know, I was very lucky um, to have role models in my life and how they, uh, you know, treated women. Um, no one's perfect, right. but I'm, I'm talking about in terms of, you know, not causing, you know, physical, emotional harm and things like that. Um, so I, I just found that really fascinating. It is really fascinating. We but actually, it's not a new, my, my point at the beginning was this is not a new thing. Yeah. And, you know, it may be an epic performance. I would say it probably dates back to biblical times. It wasn't right. a college or university, but, the, you know, this is a, a problem that we have had for centuries. Uh, uh, hopefully we now can discuss it and improve on it and learn from it. Um, and I think that you know, we can get more comfortable talking about it. I find it interesting that even I have uh, really? struggles discussing it. I'd never heard you say that before, yeah. honestly. Uh, we we actually have a caller who wants oh. to weigh in on this. Cool. Uh, Nick on, in Chicago on line one. Uh, Nick, you had some thoughts on campus rape? Yes. I'm, I'm, I want to say that it's, um, it, it, it is a huge problem on campuses that the police should get involved the women should not be afraid of, to contact them, and the colleges must um, advocate this. That, yeah, that they should do it. That the the victims should call the call the police and tell them what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there's a problem in general, not just on college campuses, with women feeling comfortable reporting assault, uh, and it's certainly a problem we need to address. Well, but often in these colleges, too, there's not a criminal procedure the, uh, proceeding. They're, these are like, you know, uh, the guy and the girl have to come tell their story in front of some administrative board, and that's it. Well, but also go back to your first story where you, where you, where you led this off a half hour ago about how this university is, is treating the student, would you feel comfortable going to the people that are doing that? If you saw you know, a fellow student being asked about her entire sexual history, would you be comfortable as a student at that university, a female, saying, I'm going to go to those very same people who report a rape that happened to me? That's the problem, too. Not yeah. just what they're doing this one was one girl right. or woman. I don't know her age. You know, She's a Jane Doe. But to all of the women on that campus, they're saying, don't bother. We don't care. We don't want to hear it. We certainly don't want publicity about this. And if not, we're going to shame you. That's the worst part of it. It really is. Nick, your thoughts? Yes, it is. Well, it, 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 is, a, it is a huge problem that not, uh, we're shaming. Uh, shaming is not a good thing because with your guest earlier, you had uh, the Dr. Kimball who talked about men should get involved. And that, like for me, I treat women with respect. I don't. I won't treat women with. Uh, right, and I. 
I would like to believe that most men do. Uh-huh. And and as a man, if you see a woman being disrespected or being called names or being said like that bimbo she's like or, bimbo or she should lose her job because she asked you a tough question, you stand up for her too. Right. Regardless oh, yeah. of their oh, yeah. political party. As, as someone who stands up for women, it, it's very... It, 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 I don't like seeing that. I don't like seeing women degraded or assaulted. Like here in Chicago, we have we have rape all the time, even on college campuses. Like we have Northwestern, we have University of Illinois at Chicago, and this is, and many of them will be afraid to 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 like confront the aggressor. It's better, It's good for them to to talk about it, to go to, like, the police or to organizations and talk about this. And there are not people out there, there are not a lot of people out there, like, uh, that would stop this. Like, if I see someone uh, assaulting a woman, I would confront them and say, hey, don't do that. That is not, not a good thing to do. We have to treat women equally and give them, because they are, also uh, knowledgeable at things, and you got to get keep them. You, you got to everyone has to protect them. That's why uh, they should go to like the police and organizations to say, "Hey, you, I you know." Um, I think however they best deal with it on their own, uh, yeah. I, I would love <laughs> ideally for every woman, man, child who's assaulted to, to go to law enforcement, to have that, uh, you know, person brought to justice in an ideal world. I would love that. But there are some women who there are some men, it's children right. who will never take that step. And, and I don't want to demonize them. No. I understand, no. uh, you know, I understand what they or try to understand what they may be feeling and and uh, how difficult it is for them to step forward um, with more organizations out there like Dr. Kimball's organization, like Love Does Not Hurt. I think we're making progress in these areas. I think we're recognizing it as victim blaming and, and we shaming. have to call out the victim yes. blamers. Yes. And bring the people to justice who are doing this. Call out colleges that are getting in the way of that. Right, and then it, and sometimes it's as simple as calling nine one one if you hear something or see something. You know, you you don't necessarily have to you know go in like you know super you know woman or superman and break something up because you could end up getting yourself and someone else hurt even more. I've done this. I've called the nine one one and waited till the cops came up and shined the lights in the in the entranceway of my apartment building. You know, this was years before I met you, Danielle. You know, calling nine one one if you think something's going down uh, well, domestically. It, it, you could you could save somebody. Yeah, and I think, I think it's important. I think because it's, abuse isn't always just rape. Right. <laughs> you know, certainly it, not. There's all kinds of violence that occurs against women. Right, and, and I think some of it is that we're getting better at recognizing yes. this. We're getting better at you know recognizing uh, sexism, misogyny, even assault for what it is. Whereas opposed uh, to to 50 years ago, that was just you know a really um, uh, a, a really aggressive guy who really liked you and he was just going after you, you know, to, to get no your number. An answer. Yeah. You remember that phrase? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we're seeing or it phrases now. like Donald Trump's attorney saying that you it's not possible to rape your wife. Oh, that's remember right. That? That I just forgot few, about that one. So we don't have to talk about 50 years ago. How are we talking about a couple weeks ago? Eh, good point. So good point. Lots and lots and lots of good points. Uh, there is so much more in store for you guys today. In addition to that, really 
interesting points from Dr. Kimball. Uh, we're also going to be speaking with an actress from a great new movie produced by our friend Cliff Schechter, Cliff Schechter the Algerian, and it's going to kind of get into some of the issues that have been in the mainstream media today about seeing past stereotypes hmm. into and recognizing that the people we disagree with may actually have a lot more in common with us. Uh, and, of it's course... It's almost like we have a, some common threads here in the show. We didn't even plan it that way. No, not well at all. Done. Well done. And just to throw in for fun and back to that unity thing, uh-huh. we're going to hear about how Shakespeare was a pothead. Cool. <laughs> because it wouldn't be progressive. No wonder I don't understand what yeah. the heck you're It wouldn't Bro. be progressive radio unless we brought up that story. But next we'll be back with uh, Talk Radio News. Bob Nay. So stick around. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. Danielle and Shano sitting in. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today. And joining us now is the one, the only Bob Nay of the Talk Radio News Service, author of Sideswiped. Bob, how are you doing today? What What's in the news? Good. I'm not going to talk to you two ladies like Donald Trump does. <laughs> you would never. You get me. You get me. Yes. No, I wouldn't. Um, I wanted to mention Trump because, you know, all is kumbaya and Roger Ailes, the head of Fox, Went ahead and cleared the air. I mean, I just think it's the absolute most amazing thing. Fox tries to help Jeb Bush, and then they must get heat or sponsors. There's money talking here somewhere. Yes. Uh, it's just it's money talking, and uh, it's, it's really uh, pathetic. And if the Republican Party, I think, uh, and there's people within the party that are unhappy, if they let one entity run a debate like this again, they're out of their minds. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is interesting how uh, Fox pretty much, uh, I hate to use the metaphor, but, you know, the Republicans eating their own, they, True. you know, pushed Megyn Kelly to the side and said, no, it's okay, Trump. I, I know you were completely sexist and insulting to one of our hosts, but come on back. We'd love to have you on again. Yeah, it's just absolutely fine. And and uh, talk about something that's going to be awkward. Jeb Bush is outlining his ISIS strategy tonight. That was one of the biggest cognitive dissonance moments in the debate. You had, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but back-to-back questions, absolutely back-to-back. Jeb Bush was asked to essentially, more or less, defend W's strategy on Iraq. And then the very next question went uh, to Walker about how he would deal with ISIS. And no connection was made between those points. Well, tonight, Jeb Bush, we know, is going to try to connect Hillary Clinton to the problems in Iraq, which is, you know, she's got to come out swinging, I assume, on this, because, I mean, after all, it was, you know, the, uh, the $6 billion in cash that they had shrink-wrapped over there. They did away with the military. You know, little things like that that they did, and, and on top of it, invading a country uh, that didn't have weapons of mass destruction. Oops. And I just, I'm going to really watch this one so closely, but he's going to attack Hillary Clinton. So I I just am fascinated to see if she would just take off the boxing gloves and come back at him. Yeah, that is pretty much the equivalent of trying to put 9-11 on Bill Clinton, which they've done as well. Yes. It's amazing to live in that little world, Bob. Thank goodness yeah, you have thanks. you have come and joined us on this side. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bob Nay of the Talk Radio News Service, one of my favorite people to speak with. And this is the Leslie Marshall Show. Sitting in for Leslie, we'll be back. Stick around. 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today, trying to find those issues that we agree on this week, because I think we all need them. And I saw one such story over on Alternate. Shakespeare was a pot smoker. If it's good enough for William Shakespeare, isn't it good enough for the country by now? Isn't it time that marijuana is completely legalized? Joining us to talk about just that subject is Cheryl Schumann, who has the best title on air, Martha Stewart of Marijuana, and Michael Perinati, serial and serial entrepreneur with a strong financial background and shifted focus of, on business opportunities within the rapidly expanding marijuana industry. Between both your bios, I have so much information, I don't want to miss anything, but uh, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you so much for joining the program. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm actually very proud to introduce Mike as well. Uh, just so you know, Michael, he's one of my favorite marijuana experts in the business. He is the co-founder also of MarijuanaStocks.com, and these gentlemen have their finger on the pulse of everything that's going on from the business side of this and how the investment world is reacting to the changing world of, of marijuana politics, and I'm so happy to have him on the line as well. It is an honor to speak with you both. I mean, you know, it's fun to point out stories like uh, Shakespeare was a pot smoker, but this is uh, an amazing industry with lots of medical be- benefits. It's being uh, legalized uh, both in terms of medical marijuana and recreational use all over the country. Uh, Cheryl, where do we stand in terms of uh, 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 marijuana legalization as a country? Is this likely to occur anytime soon? Oh, absolutely. And I just want to let your uh, show producers know that Michael just texted me. He got disconnected. So no problem. They're ar- yep, they're already but, working on it. They've got him back. Super. I'm, I'm well, back. Here's I'm what's here. so <laughs> exciting. You know, we are really at a tipping point right now in this country. And I'm, I'm sitting here in Los Angeles uh, where it all started, you know, back in 1996 with Prop 215. But what's exciting when you look at what's happening now, looking forward to 2016, you have a number of states that are going to be extremely influential uh, in uh, 2016 politics. And I believe completely, especially with the success of what's happened in Colorado, look at Amendment 64, look at the taxation and regulation business model in Colorado, and look at all the money that the companies are making and the revenue that's being built. They have not only made enough revenue from the taxation of this plant to implement all of the programs they needed to, but they have a surplus of revenue where all of the taxpayers are now getting refunds. So moving into 2016, we have California, we have Nevada. Nevada is really exciting because they're moving towards a recreational plan as well, and they'll be the only state in the entire country that will have full reciprocity. And what that means, when you look at Denver and 
see what the tourism has done for that market. And you look at big commercial grows going in, like Canagro going in with, you know, this amazing world-class botanist scientist coming in from the Amazon jungle to really teach people how it's done on an international level. And I look at these hundreds of thousands of square feet commercial grows, like I said, with Canagro there in Colorado. And you look at the tourism dollars for um, the money that's coming into Denver. Now, imagine Nevada and specifically Las Vegas with full reciprocity, meaning that people from anywhere in the country can go there and get cannabis, and you times that by the tourism dollars that are already generated. It's explosive. So we're looking right now at developing 420-friendly destination resorts and so forth and so on. And Michael can address how it's impacting the stock market. I know they've just launched a new product that's a hemp energy shot that he can tell you about and how that's really impacting with mainstream products coming out. And with him knowing all about the stock market, he can comment specifically on how this is impacting the businesses. So, Mike, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, absolutely. One question I want to throw to you, Michael, while we're, while we're hearing about this, is the federal government's limitation on investments in marijuana. Are they easing that at all and making this possible for, for, for marijuana and hemp-based businesses to invest, to bank, the things that need to be done to really, uh, you know, uh, support this industry? Well, uh, the, the the real the real challenge that that the investment side is seeing as far as you know entrepreneurial men and people and, and businesses that are being started up in this industry is capital and banking, um, and because marijuana is still considered a Schedule One drug and it still um, goes under the the 1970 Controlled Substance Substance Act, you have a lot of the larger federal banks and large institutions that are not willing to take part. Um, in these type of investments, in these type of financings um, and different projects until that is resolved because federal law still trumps state law and all these banks are federal banks. So you have a lot of smaller banks and more private money that is coming in and is, are funding these projects and you're seeing a lot of successful entrepreneurs. Yep, they're recognizing a strong investment, at least is how it looks to me. Exactly. So you have a lot of successful entrepreneurs that are migrating to the marijuana industry from other industries where they've had success simply because they see the actual and the potential profits that are here, and they're taking advantage of ground floor opportunities because you don't have the large financial institutions coming in and funding these projects. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how do we make people understand, and, and I'm not sure, Cheryl or Michael, which whichever one of you feels more comfortable answering this, uh, we still hear these, you know, 1950s talking points of how it's a entry gateway drug and, you know, people are going crazy because they smoke pot. And it kind of drowns out, like, important medical studies, important uh, industry studies, the, the financial benefits. Um, you know, how do we expand that discussion as a country? Well, I think I think media is really the key, and that's one of the things when I when I look at how Dr. Sanjay Gupta came out of the closet, and basically that that was a pivotal moment in our history when he came out and said basically, look, we've been lied to by the government. This plant does have medicinal uses, but more importantly, the testimonials of the real life patients who've been helped by this. And not only are there studies to show that cannabis is not a gateway drug, there are studies that show that in fact it's the opposite. Can Cannabis is actually a very effective uh, exit drug off of opiate addiction. Hmm. Now, in addition to that, in getting back to um, talking about the investment side, here's what's interesting about happening in the investment world. People are developing products. For example, one of the products that we just launched is a hemp energy drink, and it's called the Wolf Shot 
hemp energy drink. And what's great about it, it's hemp, so it's legal. It can be sold mainstream, and this is a product that an actual company can get behind without any fear of federal interruption. So we can launch the product, sell the product, market the product. And because what's happening now is a lot of people are building personal brands, this brand was all built on the social media phenomenon of Jason Spotifora, who's known as the Wolf of Weed Street. This is a young man, highly educated, highly sophisticated, you know, and, and literally like a G2 kind of guy who came out with a product and who's like a whiz kid on the stock market. So when we see companies like that who can use media to promote those products and have those products available for investment, it's a safer investment versus what's considered to be a more dangerous investment is the closer you get to the plant. A marijuana pot farm is much more dangerous because there's a chance of the feds coming in at any moment and taking it away from you and confiscating and seizing all of your assets. When you have actual products and services like a reporting services or a media company or in, in like with what I do, I have a PR and media company, so I'm safe. It's a service product. You know, right. or even owning the land and doing these land grabs. A lot of people are doing big real estate grabs. We have the opportunity right now to buy an abandoned resort in Nevada, which we can buy for pennies on the dollar right now. And the minute that the law goes into effect in 2016, our investment of pennies on the dollar is be, be go, going to be worth multiples of millions because we're going to transform that into a 420-friendly resort. Yeah. Same thing with these grows in real estate that we can buy for pennies on the dollar. I already personally it's yeah. a huge investment. I already personally know people who are going to be honeymooning in Colorado solely because of the pot laws. And, you know, hey, that is awesome. Uh, they've never seen the state before. I think they will have a wonderful time. Uh, just to throw it to Michael one more time here, if people are looking to get involved and invest in this industry, uh, uh, you know, and maybe they're leery because of that federal issue, are products like this hemp energy drink or, or similar products a good, safe investment? Absolutely. That's the thing that the marijuana industry, what a lot of people don't realize that it, they hear marijuana industry and they just think of the marijuana plant itself and the grows and dispensaries and medical use and recreational use. But this industry stems much farther than just the plant. You have a lot of ancillary products, a lot of niche sectors and ancillary businesses that are, that are, that are popping up that are safe investments. Okay, you have, you have security companies that, are, that provide the security for these dispensaries and transporting dollars around because it is generally mostly a cash business. So, you know, it, it really goes along the, the model of back in the gold rush, how people used to say that the ones that made all the money were the people selling the shovels, not the ones mining for the gold. And that's <laughs> a, similar, a similar approach to what we're seeing now with this industry. So to touching back on the Wolfshot energy drink, you have a, a multi-billion-dollar market in the energy shot world, and now infusing it with hemp, which is considered a superfood with the, the health benefits that hemp seed and hemp oil yeah. has on the body. The list goes on and on. I mean, basically, hemp does almost everything you can think of when it comes to a nutritional aspect um, on the body. So now well, you're, you're able to take hemp, which... It is a you know a byproduct of the marijuana industry and infuse it in different products and now you're getting a lot more opportunities to invest safer while marijuana is still considered illegal by the federal government 
you have these other plays where you can invest your money in other startups and other companies and products that you can get behind knowing that your dollar is safe. Yeah, it really is amazing how quickly the attitudes are changing. And I know there's so much we didn't have time to get to. Uh, uh, you guys are amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Where can people, I see MarijuanaStocks.com. Cheryl, where can people check your website? CherylSchumann.com. Perfect. Cheryl Schumann, uh, founder of the Beverly Hills Cannabis Club, Gling, the Martha Stewart of Mar- Marijuana, and Michael Perinati, uh, MarijuanaStocks.com. This is The Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. 888-6-LESLIE. Shano filling in for Leslie. Uh, we do have a guest coming up uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, but in the meantime, oh, in the meantime, in the meantime, uh, Shano. I'm sorry, I was I was uh, talking to my stock advisor about investing in hemp. I think it would be a wise investment. I think it's brilliant. I got to say, if I had some money laying around, I, regardless of what you what you think about, you I'd know, go buy pot. more toys if you had money lying around. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, you need to elaborate there that you're talking about. Pieces of equipment for the, the studio. radio studio. Yes, of course. Yes. That's what I meant by toys. Yes. What else would I have possibly meant? Yeah, and if you haven't checked out this story, it is really cool. That's over here at, uh, on Alternate. Shakespeare was a pot smoker. Archaeologists make a surprising fa- find. They actually found 400-year-old pipes of William Shakespeare's in his garden with pot residue. That's amazing. Actually, you know what? It's not amazing because I think... That the the entire anti marijuana thing is, in terms of human history, is a very small portion of it. It happens to be recent. Yes. Not within the last ten years or so, but you know, ten years and then going back a hundred years or so, maybe only eighty. Uh, but the the anti marijuana uh, phenomenon is of uh, a, a making of industrialists and I think largely racists yeah. of, of the early you know nineteen hundreds. Um, so finally, we're getting over this. I actually, when they referred to Prop 215 out in California, I was actually out there for that that vote. It was a big darn deal. It's been a big deal pretty much wherever uh, this type of legislation has passed. Uh, you know, we were talking during the break with Leslie's amazing producers explaining mm-hmm. how here in D.C., where marijuana has been legalized even for you know recreational purposes, but you can't buy it or sell it. Right, but the, I, you, you go to not that I've gone to any of them. The, the seed exchanges, right? You can give things away, and then right. people just say, "Hey, here's some seeds that I have," and they ex- and here's some seeds I have. You know, of any group of people out there who's who's just not going to worry about the capitalist system when it comes to marijuana. I think it's I think a it's- very interesting statement and almost test case for the 50 states that we have and how they can be experiments. I mean, we saw the same thing uh, kind of happen with gay marriage and how some states tried civil unions, some states, you know, tried to ban marriage, some states allowed right. it outright. And they all we, we saw how all of those actions played out uh, in those individual states before we made a more national policy. I think the same thing is happening right now with marijuana legislation. Sure, sure. And and given the momentum that is, is behind, as you were discussing, uh, legalization nationally, 
investment is a great idea. Yeah. You know, it's, it's only one, a matter it's one, of time. It's one of those things where you look back on it and say, oh, my God, if I'd only thought about that. If I'd only invested $100 in Apple back in the 70s, yeah. or, you know. Something it, like that. It is too funny you bring that up. I remember back in college uh-huh. having to do that game where you you know use fake dollars and pretend to invest in a stock, uh-huh. and I picked Google. Did and it really? was right before Google oh. exploded. Yeah, Man. I know. And I watched it. I mean, just in the term of a semester, my investment oh. would have like tripled. I'm like, oh, if only that was real. Dollars. Oh man! <laughs> you know, I think people Good could. Pick. Yeah, I think people could do that. We're getting with... a Ameritrade after the show, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> We're going day trading. Yeah, uh, I'm kidding, I think of if people saw the stats about marijuana, they would be doing the same for these type right. of well, investments. What I was trying to say, though, where I started was, it was a big deal back in '96 with Prop 215. But the more I've learned, especially over the last two years or so, it would have been a bigger deal because I didn't even begin to realize all the things that marijuana could do. I'm thinking of family members who suffer from chronic pain, yeah. who live in states where it isn't legalized, and I'm trying to figure out how to get them in a state with, with, where it's legal so they can actually live a pain for, or a less painful life. Right. It's I mean, amazing it's, it's the benefits for some that they're finding out about this one drug plant. 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 And yeah. the reason that, that most of human history... Uh, humans have used this is because it's something you grow in your backyard. Right. It, or if you don't have a backyard, out on whatever land you happen to be farming or hunting on or whatever, it it's natural. It is not a synthetic like the oxy you're taking. Right. In fact, it's it's really interesting that you say that. Where's my article about Shakespeare? Because they hypothesize here that at the time, uh, four, 400 years ago, uh, Shakespeare had access to cocaine mm-hmm. and oh, marijuana. Yeah. And what he wrote in Sonnet 76 was invention in a noted weed, which they took to mean uh, that Shakespeare was willing to use cannabis a.k.a. Mm-hmm. noted weed, because it inspired creation, a.k.a. invention. However, he also, in that same sonnet, wrote that he would prefer not to be associated with, quote-unquote, strange compounds, which they think huh. may have meant cocaine. So even 400 years ago, before the, you know, just-say-no drug war, right. uh, he may have recognized that pot was a less intense Drug, a less dangerous drug than cocaine. I I find that fascinating. Or we can just mark it down as someone who I I I've talked about this in the air has has participated in both of them. He's just a very wise man all around. <laughs> yes. Just, just or smart. Kind of how some people interpret the Bible. The person who's making that analysis could kind of see what yeah, they want yeah, in that. It's kind of like type Let's... A, type A, and type B personality. <laughs> a type B personality did not create that theory. Only Probably a type A not. personality. So Probably it not. Is point of but view. for those of us uh, advocating that marijuana should be legalized, if it's good enough for Shakespeare, it's Seriously. good enough for the rest of to us. To weed or not to weed. That's right. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. Danielle and Shano sitting in. Give us a call. 888-6-LESLIE. We'll be right back. Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today. And unfortunately, we can't get a hold of our guest. But I do want to tell you about the amazing movie that uh, just came out, produced by uh, uh, several people, but among them uh, Cliff Schechter, our friend 
uh, noted columnist over at Huffington Post, author of The Real McCain. Uh, I think he's one of the owners of We Act Radio, we Act progressive radio? radio, community radio here in yes. Washington, D.C. And the movie is called The Algerian. Uh, there's a great write-up over at HuffPo uh, by Bob Seska called The Movie The Algerian is an important call for sorely needed cultural dialogue. And I'd love to get listeners' thoughts on this, on the other topics we've covered, or, uh, you know, anything going on in the news today. You, you're welcome to give us a call. The rest of the show is yours, one eight 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 six leslie one eight 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 six leslie But uh, Bob Seska writes, uh, there could be no better time for calls of civility and tolerance, acceptance of others, and mutual understanding, as is often the case. We get this in the form of culture. And in this case, in the form of an inspiring and gripping film about an Algerian suicide bomber who comes to the United States bent on avenging the killing of his parents when he was a small child. This is essentially a Middle Easterner mm-hmm. who is upset about the fact that his kid, his parents were killed and he plans to wage an attack against the United States. Mm. However, in the process, he meets an American soldier Uh, played by Josh Pence, a young African-American woman who has had to be unchaste to survive, which is Candace Koch, a Jewish co-ed, Tara Holt, and and, uh, these other individuals at a university where he is studying. He learns that these people, so representative of the groups that he has been taught to hate, Mm -hmm. the very people he has been taught uh, are not human, are less than him, And yet he realizes that each, with their own struggles and passions, are not different from his. And they're just, they're not cardboard cutouts of some figure, of some idea, some stereotype that we hold in our heads. And if ever there was a time, an important time to to have this conversation, it's now. And this movie is a great way to bring up the dialogue and start talking about it. Um, And it's, it's. Going to be national. It's uh, it's already gotten a huge warm welcome at the film festival circuit, including Montreal World Film Festival, wow. New York City Soho International Film Festival, uh, New York Independent Film Festival, and others. And wow. uh, you know, it sounds fascinating. The Algerian. Just your description right there, because before you started that, I did not know what it was about, and I am ready to go watch it. Actually, right. Uh, fascinating. And- I was wondering how do you get all those people together? University setting seems perfect. Yes. And uh, Bob Seska's uh, uh, quite a few comments there. You know, I I have borrowed from him. He does a much better job than I could ever uh, at describing this and describing the reaction and describing why it's important. But, you know, the whole reason I wanted to do different topics today and topics that would bring us together, things that we can all, you know, unite again. Yes, pot is good. Rape is bad. I mean, it seems pretty, pretty easy to agree on things like that <laughs> Certainly on our side. Uh, was is because of the frustration and the tension and the the yeah. division that we're seeing right now on so many levels and 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 it's not going to ease up no you do realize i, I, know. I know that you i know you, you come to me i am fed up with this well get you know buckle in <laughs> buckle in apparently i'm going to have to have more in common with shakespeare <laughs> in dc where yes. it's legal yes um yeah but i yes we are going to have these bumpy these bumpy rides, and you know that's that's our process. You know, I would I would far better have a bumpy ride uh, without it being directed by you know billionaires and mega media corporations. Quite right. honestly, I think we could we could handle it ourselves a lot better. And that 
I think is, I guess that's the point that I was getting uh, to earlier, mm-hmm. is we have Republican, Democrat, liberal, whatever, family lives. members, and we get along just fine. Right. You know, this division is often fabricated by, you know, commercial, mainstream, hardcore media. And I think, I think that we can go beyond that. Right, let's certainly go around them. Hey, I like that even better. Yep. Let's check in with uh, some calls and get what they think. Uh, Paul in Washington on line three. Thanks for calling, Paul. How's it going? Oh, doing great. very well. Happy to be sitting in Leslie's seat today, figuratively speaking. Yeah, you guys sound great. You know, I was uh, listening to the earlier you were talking about the you know the Donald Trump thing and 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 mixing it up with Megyn Kelly. And I have to tell you, Dan, I took things entirely differently as usual than than most people did. Now, here's the way I heard it. First of all, the whole Donald Trump, it seems to me that what he has demonstrated is that it's the Republican Party that seems like they're weighted and bending to political correctness. I mean, the only reason they don't say the N-word is because, gosh, you can't even say that anymore. You can't even call women dogs anymore. Gosh, you can't even say honest engine anymore with people uh, people getting upset. You know, it's like, but you see, those of us who are normal, which they call liberals and lefties, we're just normal people. I'm not, political correctness doesn't affect me a bit. I'm not tempted to use language like that. So when it's not something like, oh, gosh, political correctness is just a big weight on my life, you know. But when she, when Megyn Kelly said, said the, you have to, I, I heard the question this way. She said, uh, your, your comments about women and calling them this and your twit, this and that, dogs and, and fat pigs and so on, her, her comment wasn't based on um, whether she was really concerned about him saying that about women. It was, you had to listen to the end of the question. With the front-runner in the Democratic Party being a woman who is going to attack you for be having a war on women, her concern was about politics, you see? Yeah. It How are you going to respond to Hillary Clinton without using these type of words? Right. She, she, couldn't, her, she was just worried about, wow, what's that going to do? You being the front-runner, and of course now they're just trying to sully the Trump brand. Uh, every, every conservative talk radio station in the country is trying to sully the Trump brand because they can't they can't exalt any other brand in the Republican Party. But she was not really concerned about, I mean, she didn't say, why do you make these awful comments about Mexicans or about blacks? But the, and so the concern about women wasn't really about the concern about women. It was about how is this going to play politically in terms of political correctness. And then when he went after her, oh, boy, now that you've gone after a, you know, a blonde, brassy, shrill, conservative white woman. Now you've crossed the line. That's it. You know, it was a big throwdown then. But she wasn't concerned about his language about anybody else. And, and also, interestingly, right after the debate, I don't think they really went after Trump. It wasn't until his comments later to CNN about pl- blood coming out of her eyes or wherever. As soon as you start, <laughs> as soon as you start talking about ladies' icky body parts on the Republican side, that is the step too far. Well, yeah, because and, and when you when you look at Megyn Kelly, I have to make this observation. When you listen to to Megyn Kelly or uh, pretty much all the Fox women, uh, that's why I use the word, you know, blonde, brassy, and shrill. Do you think somebody like Gwen Eiffel could come could get away with coming across like that? Could a black woman get into network broadcasting, behaving, and, and just pin your face like that? I don't think so. 
And so it was when he crossed her, when he crossed her as a conservative yeah, and, the, and the body parts, because, see, over on Fox, everybody's beautiful. Yeah, but the, the reaction was quite divided. Uh, there, I mean, there were people tweeting, ban the bimbo, that she had crossed the line and she should apologize to Donald Trump. And then there were also a whole other, you know, faction, mm-hmm. if you will, including a lot of Republicans, including Republican women, who were defending her and recognized sexism and misogyny for misogyny's sake. Uh, Sorry, Paul, a little quiz here. Can you remember the last person who moderated a debate in the presidential election cycle who got lambasted for something she said during debate? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I bet you can remember who it might have been. Candy Crowley. Yep. Well, she has something in common with uh, Megyn Kelly. Uh, Let's see. Gender. Oh, I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's a good point, and 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 that's what I'm saying is that the 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 two of them together, they they got into their own little political correctness war, and you know, honestly, I I, I don't think no, I don't think Megyn Kelly's a bimbo, but no. honest, honestly, what they're going through serves them right. It really does because they are not they're not honest brokers in the in in the offensive language department, no. you know. No, and, and Paul, thank you very much for the call. I, I, I think there is a segment of the population, uh, not just Republicans, who gets a little tired with the PC police, that there are comments that, yes, they, they could be taken in some uh, uh, offending way, but there's also other ways to interpret them. Not every time somebody says something and puts their foot in their mouth do they mean it in the worst possible context. And I think that segment... Uh, kind of has an affinity for people like Donald Trump. And I've heard even liberals say it. So it's not just on the right. I don't know. Just to me, it seems like a license, a license to be boorish if oh, you're supporting I, him. I agree. There's a difference. There is a difference. Uh, Leslie Marshall Show will be back with more of your calls right after this. Danielle and Shano sitting in. Stick around. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for... Leslie Marshall, it is an honor and a privilege to uh, get to spend the afternoon with you guys and to get to work with Leslie's fine, fine, fine producers as uh, producers ourselves. It's a lot of work. And I'm not a producer like they are. uh, Not even close. No, uh, they they make it look easy. Make it look easy. Anyhow, we are. (laughs) We are. We've only paid you the normal fee for these. (laughs) Yes, of course. Uh, We we are taking your calls. Um, Michael from the Bronx has been waiting for some time on line one. Michael, thanks for calling in today. It's always a pleasure, Danielle and Shino. Danielle, earlier you asked, um, how can we bring more attention to uh, women's issues? As um, you know, discussion, discussion, discussing about Donald Trump's attack towards women, and uh-huh. I hope conservative women now start to believe that yes, there is a war on women, and stop being so much in doggone denial, um, as well as the Planned Parenthood. Now, this mm. goes beyond Planned Parenthood. Um, first off, everyone needs to understand, and this is the fact that the video in question regarding the. Um, 
you see the parts being sold, it's a fake. It's a fake because those people are not representatives of Planned Parenthood. Those are actors that were perpetrated by the right-wing um, right wing interest groups. I forgot their names, but I learned this on a local progressive talk radio show here in New York City, in which uh, an executive from, I think it was either Planned Parenthood, yeah, I mean, well, why, as, well Michael, as, why well, wait, wait, wait. yeah, it's just that there were, there was truth in that video. I mean, it's completely and grossly being taken out of context, and there's a big difference between selling baby parts and donating tissue for medical research, but I don't want to be dishonest and say that there was nothing whatsoever true about that video. It's just, I, if I had a video of you speaking for 10 minutes, I could edit it to make you say just about anything I wanted. <laughs> But the thing is, but the thing is, is that those are not doctors inside that video. That's all, all I'm trying to tell you. It was just a frame up. And right. In addition, in addition, is that the whole thing about abortions? You know, the right wing twenty keeps saying that abortions are at an all time high, at an all time high, when the fact is at an all time low. But what is not being reported and being taken out of context or being fabricated is no one is talking about when. Pregnant women, these are women pregnant at will, looking forward to motherhood. They become victims of domestic violence, drunk drivers, and as we've seen and heard lately, of police abuse. And as a result of such physical impact towards their bodies, they are suffering miscarriages, which is like the identical result of an abortion, the loss or termination of the fetus. In the effort of these right wings to cover their own butts and to cover their agendas, they falsely say that the victim got an abortion at will. So we need to really focus on getting the truth out that the so-called loss of fetuses may be at an all-time high. It's not, I repeat, not the well, of yeah. an abortion, but rather of a miscarriage resulting from a gross violation done Right. Michael, but I, I thank you very much for the call. I think that the, the cases that you're referring to are probably a few anecdotal cases that that a woman is, you know, in an interaction with a cop, you know, is forced to miscarry. I'm sure it happens. And, and it or happens from a, from a car accident. Right. It happens all tragedies. the time. But again, we're falling into the trap of women's issues are solely about abortion. Guess what? I've never had an abortion. So why, you know, that does not make up the I, issues you know of, that, that pertain to women's issues. I disagree. I disagree because, because you know, in terms of, def- we were talking in the first hour about definitions of what was acceptable sexual interaction with women and what wasn't. And how, uh, you know, the ideas of in terms of, you know, what rape is, you know, date rape, uh, uh, marital rape, those things like marital rape didn't come around until women actually calling it what it is until women had power right power comes from having control over yourself so choices having choices about birth control or in the case of unwanted pregnancies getting the completely legal procedure of having an abortion which should be available to women that is what brought women 
into the what, what, what it, you know would be the the capitalist system we have, who are able to you know, then to, to direct their Work family planning, play. so therefore they can have jobs, they can have careers, they can gain political power, they can claim, declare you know financial independence, and therefore can go out politically and say what is happening to me in my household, what my husband is doing, that's rape. So let's d- change the you know. So I think this actually all does come together, Danielle. I I just I the only issue. The, uh, okay, the only two issues that ever get okay. coverage in the media as far as women's issues are abortion and rape. And yes, uh, rape gets less coverage than abortion. Right. So uh, I think there are a lot of aspects to how women's lives are affected besides just whether or not they need, have, want, or support an abortion. But if you take the the birth control rights away from a woman, how are they going to ever, how are women ever going to get wage uh, parity with men? Right. But instead of talking about birth control or wage disparity, we've had a discussion and not you and me personally, but Uh the media as a whole has had a discussion about abortion and baby parts. Right. And people cannot make the connection. They are not getting from point A to point B mentally. So that second part of the discussion never occurs. This is the problem when we get into any kind of issue politics and we like uh, uh, look at what people are criticizing the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm -hmm. you know, because they they wanted to focus on one thing at that moment, uh, Michael Brown. And so the discussion that they they were they, you know, wanted to have about economic issues and 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 uh, reforming the Justice Department and, uh, you know, institutional racism that never occurred. That part never happened because they were only focusing on this one small aspect of the issue. I have no idea. I think we may not be arguing. We may we may be, we may be debating something. Debating we, past each other. What I'm saying Wouldn't is be the first what I'm time. saying is that, that that women's control over their own having their own reproductive choices is fundamental. Yeah, is fundamental, and actually having that control is what has led to the other improvements. That there is a foundation that has to be there. So one, the other ones grow from it. I don't think it. I think that and in, in to lack those choices over one's body and one's family planning necessarily will actually be a step backwards in all those other areas. So we, we can't, we can't just fight one of them. We have to fight all of them. But if we lose that foundation, there's going to be other erosions elsewhere. That's my point. Okay. <laughs> the only, I'm, I'm only ending it there because there is one other caller, Andy, Nebraska, uh, line two, who wanted to get in before we run out of time. And we've already taken up so much of this segment and that was a whole we could do a whole other show on that topic. Andy, uh, thanks for calling the Leslie Marshall Show. All right. So but before, I, before I talk about the marijuana issue, to everyone talk, was always talking about the rape that goes on here here in this country, but why not? Why don't we talk about all the rape, all the rape that's been going on all over the Middle East? And yeah, look, India is is uh, India is one of the highest uh, rates of sexual assault and rape, but uh, you know they're, oh, they're doing about, something about I, it. I hear about it all the time. Right. It's sometimes there's India, the Middle East. It's legal in Iraq. So I just why? So why doesn't the media cover that? Well, I can't speak for the whole media, but I can speak for when Shane and I talk, and you know we we're covering a domestic issue. But I, I agree that it should be brought up. I know there's a lot of focus on the uh, the problem in India. I saw a story just today about a father in oh don't quote me I. Th- 
think it was uh, 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 Iraq or Iran, but who allowed uh, his daughter to drown because he didn't want her touched by a male lifeguard. Uh, you know, we, we should discuss those extremes. You're right. Oh, then on to the marijuana issue. issue. I'm opposed to it because it has real, real harmful effects to the body. And Such I'm, as? Such as short term, and this, and this is from this is from the drugabuse.gov website. You know, you know that website. I'm not familiar with it off the top of my head, but I oh, we're we're running out of time. I there's also a lot of studies out there that dispute that that uh, say it actually has positive effects and it actually reduces the likelihood of lung cancer. I. Andy, next time we guest host, I promise we'll get you in for this. I'm sorry, we just ran out of time. This is The Leslie Marshall Show. Danielle and Shano sitting in. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that under-deliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.